0: that he put on my heart to start with today is going to be found in Genesis. We're going to go to Genesis first, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. And verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in all the families of the earth will be blessed. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord for Father Abraham. Right, we teach the we, we, my, my daughter, she's two. She loves that song. Father Abraham had many sons, and she 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 sings it. And we run around and we sang it a couple years back. And it's like, do as believers, do we really believe that? Because sometimes the Jewish people, sometimes they can be so far from us, right? The Jewish people, the, those in in Israel, we just don't picture it. But the New Testament in First Corinthians tells us that um that He is our Father. Paul's writing to the the church in Corinth, and he tells them that your fathers passed were under the cloud and they passed through the sea and they were baptized into Moses. He's talking to the Corinthian believers, Gentiles, and he's telling them that these are, these are your fathers, so these are, this is the family of God. If, if, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that's our spiritual family. We're in that spiritual family. We've been grafted in to these promises. We've definitely been blessed. It says the whole earth will be blessed through Abraham. And then through Isaac and through Jacob. So seeing all those things out there, seeing all the things that were going on that are going on right now, I mean, babies being beheaded and all these different things, and, 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 and young people, there was this, these images, these videos of these young people at this, at this rave that were just, you know, living it up, you know, thinking that they not a care in the world and then you see these 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 para, paratroopers coming in from Hamas, landing there, and and they go and they they kidnap people and they took people, and it's like, and I seen the the just the look of fright on some of these young people's faces, and it just made me it, just made, it made me sad. It made me sad because they just did not know what was going on. They just didn't realize that we're not promised tomorrow. And I I felt really bad for some, you know, really bad for them. Um, really sad, really really horrible stuff out there. Psalms one twenty 6, Frank brought that up. And when we were praying in the back about praying, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and may they prosper who love you. And honestly, I could say, I mean, I mean, do we love? Do we pray this prayer? Are we praying this prayer? I mean, God says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Are we doing that? I mean. When we see these images, when we see these things that are happening right now, I mean, does it really move our hearts? Does it really move us to compassion, into action, into prayer? Because it says, may those prosper who love you. Do we really, do we even care? You know, do we even care what's going on? Is it just like another day? It's like, oh, it's always been like that, and that's just the way it is, and, or, or, or is it something different? We know what God's word says. We know that Israel, Jerusalem specifically, is a center of God's prophetic word, especially in end time scenarios, in the last days. So we know all these things are just, there's just fulfillment of all these things. We know God said his people will be hated by all nations. So people hate God. They hate the Jewish people. They hate Israel. By extension, they hate Christians. Jesus said that this, is, this would happen. Um, so does this move us to love more? Does this move us to love? You know, It says we may prosper those who love, love. We're supposed to love Love the people. Jesus also said to um, even love your enemies. He said to pray for those who persecute you. So is this moving us to to love more? Is this moving us to action, moving us to want to pray more, want to share the truth of Jesus Christ? Because there is not going to be any peace without the Prince of Peace, without the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And these are great opportunities right now. And people are glued to the sets. People are glued to the news. And people are in dismay. People are wondering what's going on. People are really asking those questions. I've seen questions being held, like, what's going on? Like, what is happening out there? And it's like, we know what's happening out there because it's all right here. We have the answers. We have the word of God right here in our hands. So this should move us. It should move us to action. It should move our mouths. It should give us boldness to step out in faith and tell the world, Jesus is, and what he's doing, and what he will do, and that all these are just signs of his return, he's coming back. There's a lot of, a lot of people right now that are, that are hating, there's a lot of stuff going on, I mean, there's just evil, evil is rampant right now, and, and, but God's working, God's doing something right now, and God wants to be glorified through all this right now, and it's, as believers, we need to do what God wants us to do, and go and make disciples gave us that great commission to make disciples. God's going to deliver his people. He delivered us. He delivered his people. We're going to read about that tonight, about him delivering his people from Egypt. And one day he's going to have final deliverance for his people as well. So with that being said, let's hear about the first deliverance of Israel. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, if you turn there, Please. So we're going to read about here about the exodus of, of, of God's people, of God's chosen people from Egypt right here. In this chapter right here, it talks about the, the, the parting of the Red Sea. It talks about the Pharaoh hot on their tail, this impossible situation there with the, with the water. Not necessarily the Red, Red Sea, but it says the sea. Um, we'll talk more about that. Basically, there was an impossible situation. It seemed impossible, but with God, all things are possible, right? So God put them in this impossible situation. Why? Well, we're going to read here that it, it was to show that he is God, to show that he is the one true God. And as we know from, like I mentioned before, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says that, like, this right here, this, this story of the Exodus, the story of, of Egypt being, uh, sorry, the the people of, of if Israel being delivered from Egypt is like a picture of salvation. It's like a picture of all, our salvation, a picture of us coming out of the world. Egypt could be like a picture of the world, so keep that in mind as well, that this is like our salvation since they, they pass through there. There it is. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them. It's a picture of our salvation and God's glory. God's going to get the glory in this. We're going to see here, God's going to set an ambush for his children's enemies. So, here in verse 1, chapter 14, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp. Oh, these are going to be tough. Before Pi-Hariath, between Migdal and the sea, and you shall camp in front of Baal-Zephon, opposite it, by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So we see here God's putting him in this situation. In the previous chapter there, in chapter 13, if you just look either up or back, verse 17, it says, Pharaoh had let the people go. We know that there was plagues. We know that God set his people. He used Moses and Aaron to set his people free. From slavery in Egypt, what was it? 400 years of slavery in Egypt? Um, sent plagues, sent 10 plagues. If you guys remember, those plagues were significant. They say that each of those plagues represented different gods. There was a god of the Nile. There was a god of frogs. There was, Egypt had all these different gods. You know, we know the New Testament says behind these gods, there are demons, there's demon behind these gods, so we call them false gods. We call them false gods. We call them idols. Nevertheless, they were their gods, little g, but we serve the God, the one true God, big G. So here we see our Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. We're still in verse. Uh, I went back to chapter thirteen, verse seventeen. It says that now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. So God knows what his people need. He delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. He delivered them from um, slavery in Egypt, and he sent them on the best route possible. Sometimes we don't realize that. Sometimes we think it's a hard road. Sometimes we think that we're coming against these impossible circumstances, we have to trust in God that he knows what's best for us. See, they didn't know that. They didn't know that, that God was sending them a different way. They just, oh, the, towards the wilderness? Well, this isn't this the quicker way to the promised land? Well, God said, you know, I didn't want them to turn back because they were going to come across the Philistines. So he said, I'm going to send this way. And also God wanted them to know he wanted to be glorified in what he would do. He knew Pharaoh would be coming after him, and he knew he had to do something about that. He knew he had to do something about that. He's going to set an ambush for them. Pretty awesome what he does. So here it says, he turned them back. So they're going, and he turns them back. They were at Pi-Hariath between Migdal and the sea. Now Migdal right there in verse 1, it, 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 the word is, uh, it means fortress or watchtower. And some scholars believe like perhaps there were Egyptian, an Egyptian forts, Egyptian towers that were there. So there's, think about there's Egyptian towers, pharaohs hot on their tail, tail. He's getting them in this place where like, there's Egyptian towers here. They're on the eastern edge of Egypt. They haven't left Egypt yet, eastern edge of Egypt. But they have the, a pharaoh and his army hot in their tail, right? Hot in their tail. They have the, these Egyptian fortresses around. So there's basically at, at, in a cul-de-sac, basically. There's nowhere to turn, right? There's nowhere to turn. There's, they're right in front of the sea, it says. So back to um, chapter 14. Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, in verse 3 it says, Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land, and the wilderness has shut, shut them in. So Pharaoh thinks, oh, right, got them right where I want them. No, I got them right where I want them. Yeah, there's there's nowhere for them to go. Not remembering all the things that you know the God of, 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 of Israel, what he had just done, all the plagues that he had done, all the things he had, had did in Egypt, all the different plagues that he set upon them, he saw the miraculous power of the Lord, but he still was just taking him from God, and his heart was hardened. It says, "So he says they're just wandering aimlessly." Look, doesn't look at God knew what was in Pharaoh. God knows what's in their heart. God knows what's in Pharaoh's heart. He knew that Pharaoh would say, "Ah, oh, they're just wandering aimlessly." Unfortunately, later on, Israel, the Israelites, would be wandering aimlessly in the wilderness for forty years. Because of grumbling, because of murmuring, because of unbelief, because of idolatry. So I would say, Pharaoh at this time will eat his words. He will eat his words. God'll have him eat his words. God's about to set an ambush. So it's like God is is like the commander right here. He's leading his people. He's leading his people and he knows what's best. It's like they're chasing him, they're chasing him. And and we're going to see here in a minute, well, it's not there yet, but, I mean, they're in their best chariots, so they're going to catch them. God knows they're going to catch these people. So God's like, you know what? Let's turn back. Let's get to a spot. I'm going to do something with this. We're not going to just leave. I'm not going to just set you free, but I'm going to do something about your enemies. I'm not going to just set you free from slavery. I'm going to do something about your enemies. And so we see what God is going to do here. Because God loves his children. And wouldn't you do the same for your children? Wouldn't you do anything for your children? I mean, you're going to protect them, but you, you're going to protect them any way, any way that's necessary. God had a compassion for his people. Remember, they were crying out from slavery in Egypt. They were crying out to the Lord. Let me see. I could turn there real quick. You don't need to turn there. Exodus 2.23 says, Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. God was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion and it moved him to action. He wasn't just moved with compassion. He, it moved, his compassion moved him to action. Kind of like what we're seeing right now. Like, what, you know, what we're seeing, what we're seeing on the news right now. We're seeing all those things. And, yeah, we could have compassion. We could say, oh, man, let's pray for Israel, which is good. We, let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which is great. Let's do everything. We can. Man, oh, can you believe all the things that are happening out there? But what's that compassion going to do? It needs to move us to action. What are we going to do with that? Well, when God sees that and he has compassion, it moves him to action. He's going to do something right here, right? He's going to deliver his people. He's going to deliver his people. So that compassion needs to move us to action. It reminds me of Jesus when he was moved with compassion, when he looked on his sheep and he said they were like sheep without a shepherd. We taught him that not too long ago, remember? We talked about when he fed the 5,000. It says that he, he taught them and he fed them. That's what it says in Mark 6, 34. We won't go there, but that's Jesus. So that's Jesus. The God of the old is the God in the new, Jesus Christ. And he was moved with compassion, so he taught the people. He taught the people and he fed. So what's our compassion going to do? Are we going to go, are we, we going to see these things that are happening and we're going to do something about it? Let's tell people about what's going on. Let's let them know what's going on. People are going to have so many questions right now. Family's going to have get togethers right now. It's holiday season right now, right? Holiday season's approaching, guys. There's going to be get togethers. I mean, a lot of people that are going to be asking questions right now. Let's let them know who God is. Let's let them know who the Son of God is. Let's let them know who Jesus is. Amen. Verse five through nine here. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart change of heart toward the people and they said what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us so he made his chariot ready and took his people with him and he took 600 select chariots and all the chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them the lord hardened the heart of pharaoh king of egypt and he chased after the sons of israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army, and they overtook them, camping by the sea, besides Pahariath in front of Baal Zephon. So we see here that in verse 5, when the king of Egypt told that, the, they had reported to the king of Egypt, the people fled. Well, he let them go after the, the last plague, the, the the death of the, the firstborn, he's like, let him go. And the servants as well. They said, Oh man, let him go. Let's we need to stop the Lord's just plaguing us. And there's not gonna be anyone left. let just let him go. Even so was the Pharaoh and his servants were like, No, just let these people go Told Pharaoh, let them go. So Pharaoh let him go. But here we see after they let him go, and they're like, What? They left. There goes our slaves. Like, now we're, you know, the servants are like, oh, it's going to be even harder for us. They're servants. They were serving Pharaoh. I don't think they had fringe benefits, these servants. I think it was pretty tough for them, too. It was about to get a lot tougher without all these slaves. But we see here that, I thought that was interesting that it says here that it wasn't just Pharaoh who had a change of heart. His servants had a change of heart as well. His servants. So, it wasn't that his servants were just doing, you know, just doing their job. You know, we hear you hear that sometimes. Well, you know, you know, there's we're just doing our job. You know, it's not, it's not really. You know, the, the Nazi soldiers said that. You know, it's like, hey, it's Hitler's just giving us the orders. We're just doing our job. But we know from history that there was some wicked Nazi officers. We know there were some wicked atrocities that were going on at the hands of these officers, and, and they enjoyed it. And these servants had a change of heart, and they wanted to go after the people as well. So like I said, this is a picture of our salvation as well. We get delivered, we get saved, we get saved from the world. And sometimes the people that we used to know, they have a change of heart about us. They have a change of heart about us and they might look at us a little different. And sometimes they wanna bring you back. Sometimes they wanna pull you back in. Sometimes they wanna pull you back in. They might invite you to some things. They might tempt you in certain ways. And when you say, no, I'm not that person anymore, I don't want to do these things. They will have a change of heart, and they'll look at you a little bit differently, and your friend will become your enemy as well. And Jesus said that would happen. Brothers, sisters, mothers, neighbors, that could happen as well. It's like a picture of that. They, they didn't want to be the only servants of Pharaoh, and we know misery loves company, right? So they wanted to bring them back just as much as Pharaoh did. So we see here, Pharaoh took 600 of his best chariots, you know, 600 of his best chariots. All the other chariots of Egypt, his officers, horsemen, all the best. Egypt had the best of all these things in that world, right, at that time. He had the best of everything. Everything was, was beautiful. And they're, in, they're leaving slavery in Egypt, about to go to a wilderness. So, like, they're leaving this beautiful land, but they were slaves there. You know that Egypt is a picture of the world. Sometimes the world looks tantalizing. It looks great. All the riches of the world look shiny and sparkly and strong and tough, but it's a false sense of security, right? There is no, there's only security in Christ alone. So we leave those things because we have promises of even better things. We have, a, we have promises of better things to come. But there is a wilderness that's before that. Psalm 27 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Amen? In verse 8, it says, they went out boldly. They They just got delivered. I mean, the Lord passed over them. Remember that? The Lord passed over them, death of the firstborn. The Lord just saved them from slavery in Egypt, and he's bringing them out of there. He's bringing them out of slavery of Egypt. They are going out boldly. They're like, wow, the Lord judged Pharaoh, all these plagues that happened, we're out of here. We're taken off. The, the The bondage was gone. The chains were broken. They're out. They're free. They're bold. And they're just going out boldly, it says, confidently, in strength, it says. That's where the way they went out. They were just like, yes, look at God. They, God appeared to Moses. God spoke to Moses. It says here God spoke to him. It's God spoke to him. Um, in previous chapters, God even instituted the the... the the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, he, uh, the Passover, these these celebrations that they would do annually. I, this was amazing to me that before he even fully took them out and, and, and crossed the sea, all that, God was already saying, it's already a done deal. Like, you're going to do this once you get to the promised land. He told the people that. Moses called the elders and told them, this is what the Lord says, that you're going to have this celebration of when the Lord brought you out of Egypt. It was a done deal. God had promised it. So it's like God already started, you know, promised the annual celebration of the Exodus before the Exodus even was finished, which is just amazing to me. And that's what God does to us. He gives us these promises, but we have to believe these things by what? By faith. We believe these things by faith, and so did Moses, and so did the people, right? So did the people. But they, they did. They just got released, and that's what happened. It's awesome. The Lord saves you. you bold oh man awesome praise the lord let's go let's go this is great you look what god has done and all the promises that he's promised and you're just like man this is awesome this is so great but we need to remember that even jesus after the dove descended on him right after he was baptized he went directly into the wilderness to be tempted Right, And that's a picture of us also going into the wilderness as well because right now that's where we're at. We're not there yet. We're not in the promised land yet. We're going through a wilderness. And we need to be aware of that, especially as, as when you know, new believers need to be aware of these things. They need to be aware. They need to be able to count the costs. We're called to make disciples, not converts. We can't say that, hey, now everything is just going to be smooth sailing. You're going to have your best life now. No, there's going to be a wilderness to go through, to travail, to endure, but we're going to trust the Lord through it. This is where we're going to be purged of, of, of purged of sin. This is where we're going to be refined, and we need to be aware of that. And there's a spiritual warfare; the devil's going to come against you. We need to be, we need to be, we need to know these things. Those who know these things, believers who know these things, are that much stronger. They're that much stronger because they're prepared, because they know what the Word of God says. Verses 10 and 12 say, As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? So here we go. They just left. They went out boldly in opposition right away and they're they're in fear they're in fear they need to realize that they're not completely delivered yet they're not they still need to go through it you know they're not completely saved there's still a wilderness to go through there's still a sea to cross there's still enemies to defeat but the lord needs to defeat they need to realize this How quick they forgot, right? How quick they forgot what the Lord had just did for them. They were just going out boldly. They just saw the power of the Lord. And oh boy, it rings true of all of us. How How quickly we forget. How quickly we forget what all the Lord has done. Let us never forget, brothers and sisters, what the Lord has done for us. Let us never forget how he saved us and what he's done and what he will do. It'll keep us going. It'll keep us fighting on. We need to remember, once we get saved, we're, we're in the Lord's army, right? We're, 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 we're volunteers in the Lord's army. He drafted us in, however you want to look at it. And he's the Lord of hosts. He's the Yahweh of armies. No matter how many chariots Egypt has, the Lord has more. And his chariots are a fire. He has chariots of fire. So they became frightened. We become frightened too. We all do. We all do. we world's in fear right now, especially those who don't know the Lord. We know perfect love, the love of Christ, casts out fear. So we need to look to him. And it's not that we're never going to have fear. It's that what do we do with that? Where do we go to? Who do we turn to when we have that fear? It's a natural response for us. But what do we do with that? Where do we go to it? Well, here it says the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. That's the right place to go when we have that fear is we need to cry out to the Lord. So they cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard their prayers. The Lord heard their prayers and then they complained to Moses. I'm glad they cried out to the Lord first. Let's make sure we cry out to the Lord first before we start complaining to others. Before we start blaming those that are leading us, let's cry out to the Lord Let's crowd to the Lord first before we start grumbling. I mentioned First Corinthians 10. Well, later on in First Corinthians, I won't go there, but it talks about how all these things that happened here, all these things that happened here are examples to us, are examples to us. So we maybe won't we'll learn from maybe mistakes of the past. We'll learn. So we won't grumble. So we won't crave evil things. So we learn to trust the Lord. And to see what the God had did for his people, for our forefathers. They're example for us. And there's a lot of warnings throughout the New Testament. Judah 5 says that warns that those who came out of Egypt, those that stopped believing, were destroyed in the wilderness. And we're not going to get into that, but those are some strong warnings for those, for all of us to remember to continue. We're not there yet. Continue. Crying out to the Lord, and don't stop crying out to the Lord. keep crying out to the Lord. Let's see. So here they are, they cried out to the Lord, they're talking about Egypt, wishing they had went you know stayed in Egypt, oh boy, longing for Egypt. We started looking at our circumstances, instead of looking instead of looking to Christ, instead of looking to God. And the fear and panic, you know, sets in and we think, Oh God, where are you? Not knowing what who he is and how awesome he is and how powerful he is and how merciful he is. I think I said how perfect he is. I had to say that again because he is perfect. He's perfect. He's an awesome God. So we have a propensity to want to go back, to want to look back when things get rough. That's, that's just our propensity is to look back. And that's what they were doing. They were looking back. Let's keep our eyes f- fixed on Christ. Let's forget what lies behind and, and press forward, my brothers and sisters. God set us free. God's going to set his people free. He set his people free. He promised them already. Same thing to us. In Galatians 5.1, it said, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again to the yoke of slavery. If Christ sets you free, you're free indeed today. There's true freedom in Christ. We're no longer a slave to things. We can enjoy what God has given us now. We can enjoy things that God has given us and not have to be slaves to them, not look to those things for for our, our fulfillment, for our satisfaction. We can look to Christ so they long to go to Egypt, and they'd rather be slaves. They'd rather be slaves back in Egypt, and that maybe be BS sometimes. Oh, where are we going to go back to? We'd rather go back to, where, what is there to go back to? It's better to, one day in God's courts than a thousand elsewhere. Never look back. Never go back, right? Let's never go back. Let's always press forward. We've decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. There's no turning back. Amen? Now is the time, my brothers and sisters. Now is the time, you know, to just, today is the day, right? Today is the day. Now is the point in time to get closer and closer to Jesus, right? We see all the things that are going on right now. These are all in, in the word of God. We know that our redemption is drawing nearer than ever has been before. We need, to, we need to get closer and closer to Jesus, closer and closer to Jesus. We don't want to live to regret that we didn't get closer to Jesus, the time that we have right with the time we have you know we don't want to one day you know be on our deathbeds and, and just be like oh and what do you think we're going to say you know i don't know i don't think we've ever heard anybody say you know on my deathbed oh man if only i had a bigger house if only i had worked a little harder and bought some more things you know if, if, if only i w- fill in the blank No, we're going to say, oh, if only I would have spent more time with the Lord. If only I would have shared the Lord a little bit more. If only I would have spent more time with my family sharing the Lord with them. Those are the kind of things that we're going to say. So don't wait till then. Now is the time. Now is the time. Verse 13. But Moses said to the people, dude, oh, this is great. This is awesome. But Moses said to the people. So they were grumbling to Moses. They're grumbling and they're complaining to him. But this shows how awesome of a leader Moses was and any greatest characteristics of a good leader, faith and humility. Faith and humility, I would say. Moses is an awesome leader. God's appointed leader. He says, he could have said, you people are a bunch of grumblers. But no, he interceded for them here. He encouraged them. That's what he did with them. He's so humble. He encouraged them. He said, Moses said, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he he will accomplish for you today. That's faith right there. That's Moses' faith and his humility right there. He says, no, don't. Moses is seeing the same thing they're seeing. He's seeing this cul-de-sac. He's seeing these rock cliffs. seeing these forts, Egypt, I mean, Pharaoh on their tail. Body of water. Nowhere to go. He says, Don't fear. Stand by, and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. He just knew the Lord had promised them before. He promised them. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he knew it would happen. We need to learn to live by faith and not by sight. We need to learn to live by faith and not by sight. It seems impossible. It seems like there's a mountain in front of you, but God could relocate mountains. Our Lord can relocate mountains. Why? Because he's the creator of the universe. He created the mountains. He can put them up and knock them down. That's who our God is. So here here he tells them, you will see the salvation of the Lord which will accomplish you today, whom you have seen today, and you will never... For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see them again forever. These Egyptians... Your masters, the ones who had you in slavery, you're never going to see them again. We'll get back to that, but that's something I wanted to take note of forever, he says. He's going to destroy them forever. You won't see them again. We'll get back to it. This is the true deliverance right here God's about to perform. He's about to perform a, a, an awesome miracle right now, and he's about to perform. He's about to deliver his people from the enemy. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome what he's going to do. Um, and how does he deliver them? We hear about these deliverance ministries, people like Isaiah Salvador's and the Greg Locks of the world who just talk, 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 and, and they have all these different you know, curses for the demons, and they go and do battle with demons and do all these things, and that's all they do is talk, 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 and they talk their own opinions and their own words. And, and what does it say here? How is God going to deliver them here today? He tells them right here, by st- stand by, don't fear, The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Sometimes we just got to shut up and let the Lord do it. Sometimes we just got to shut up and let the Lord do it. We're called to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Repeatedly, we're called to resist the devil and stand firm in our faith, says in Peter. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He's the one who delivers from the dominion of darkness and brings us to the kingdom of his son. I like what, Mo, what uh, not Moses, what Brother Russ was preaching on Sunday. There's about time, time. Yes, there's a time to speak, and there's a time to just shut up. There's a time to just keep silent and let the Lord fight for you. And that's what he tells them to do. Moses just says, just wait. You'll see. You'll see. Don't fear. And that's what I say to all of us right now. Just, just, just don't, don't fear. Stand up. Keep silent. The Lord's going to fight for you. Verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold... I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his armies, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and I am honored through Pharaoh and through his chariots and his horsemen. I love this. The Lord says, why are you, why are you praying? You know, you prayed. I got it. I heard your prayer. I accepted it. Now move. Now move. Now move. Just like we talked about compassion, we have compassion for things that are going on in Israel right now, right? But what are we going to do with it? We need to move. We need to move, right? We need to, we need to put our compassion to action. Same thing with our prayers. Okay, we've given God our prayers. Now we need to walk by faith and not by sight and move. Move to action, right? God heard our prayers. And what does God say? Go. Go. Go forward. Keep going. And that's what he's saying. He doesn't say, just don't pray no more. No, he says, I, I, I heard it. I heard your prayer. I've accepted it. Now move. I can only imagine Moses is like, okay, you know, because he says, go forward. And like, because he's thinking like, you know, okay, Lord, you want me to go left? You want me to go right? Should I turn back around? Should we go different? Nope. Let's see. Go forward. Walk by faith and not by sight. I mean, wow. Go forward. And that's what he tells us sometimes. He'll take care of it. We need to listen to what the Lord says to go, to do it. And we pray to God sometimes, and sometimes it's like the answers are right there in front of us, right there in front of us. And we're praying, oh, Lord, you know, I, you know, I, I offended this brother, or I have something, you know, and it's like, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to pray that, you know, and God, and God already gave us the answer. Go and make, make up with that brother. Go to that brother. And go talk to him. Oh, I'm just going to pray about it. And God says, go. God says, go. We already got our answer. He already told you. Why are you still crying out to me? Go. Yeah, we need to pray for wisdom, of course. We need to pray for guidance. But then at some point, God says to go. And that's what he did. In verse 18, I like to point out where it says, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored. That word honored there, it's, it's talking about it. Honored, it's talking about heaviness and seriousness Well, what the Lord's about to do, the Lord is going to be honored through this. They're going to take the Lord, they're about to take the Lord serious right now. They're about to take him serious. He will be honored, it says. That word is serious, seriousness, heaviness. They're about to know that the Lord is serious. And that's what's going to happen with God's enemies. It's going to one day, it says that every knee will bow. Praise the Lord that God humbled us. We bowed our knee, but it says one day every knee will bow. Unfortunately, one day when they bow when some bow their knee, it's going to be too late. As we're going to see here with the Egyptians, they they acknowledged the Lord and they tried to turn back and it was just too late. The water swallowed them up and we're going to see that. So it says here in verse 19, the angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. The angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved and before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was the cloud along with the darkness, and it gave light at night. Thus one did not come near the other all night. The angel of God. Back in chapter 13, verse 21, it says, the Lord was going before them in the pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and give them a pillar of fire by night, to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. It was the Lord, and here it says it was the angel of God. So who is it? Is it the angel of God? Well, I believe this is Jesus. He's talking about Jesus here. I actually believe that here is a picture of the pillar of cloud. I believe a picture of, it is a picture, I could be wrong, but I believe it's a picture of the, the triune God. I believe it's a picture of the triune God. I believe it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's the cloud, there's the fire, there's the angel of God there. And I believe it, it's, and God is one. And I believe it's God and the Holy Spirit, it says, and he gave them light, and who gives us light? Who gives us light, but the Holy Spirit gives us light. Who come? Who guided us? It was the cloud that guided them. Guided them. It was fire in the cloud. I believe it was. Probably, maybe it was just a glowing light, fire. Maybe it was lightning, a storm. Whatever. I don't know exactly, but I believe there's a spirit leading them, guiding them. I believe when they saw that cloud, that's why they were able to come out boldly because they were following God's presence. It's God's presence. That's what it is. God's presence was with them. I believe it brought them comfort. That's why they went out boldly. It said because they're like, man, we have God with us. We have God with us The kind is with us, going with us and guiding us. Look at this, this is awesome. They were just confident and they had strength. They're like, wow, God is with us. It's awesome to know when God is there. But what about when it seems like he's not there? Will we still have faith? Because that's the way it is most of the time. It's like, He's, but he he won't leave us or forsake us. But once again, we need to learn to live by faith. I believe they had comfort and and we know the Holy Spirit comforts us. Also, the Holy Spirit separates us from the world as well. And this cloud separated them from their enemy, it says here. It says in verse 20 that there was, there was darkness between them, and thus the one did not come near the other all night. The Holy Spirit will separate us from the world. When we become born again, we have the Holy Spirit. We have light in the darkness. God gave us the light. We know that Jesus is the light of the world and whoever follows them will never walk in darkness. God gives us light so we understand the things that are going on right now, in Israel even right now. We see that. We see what's happening to the people out there, and God gives us understanding. He gives us, he gives us light. He gives us people light. The world is just confused. The world's confused. It just doesn't know what's happening. It's just like, oh, man. It just. But we have the answers. Thanks be to God. Amen? So in verse 20, it says there, The one did not come near the other. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so that the waters were divided. And the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. It reminds me of don't turn right and don't turn left, but go straight. Go straight down that narrow path that God sets before us. Verse 23, then the Egyptians took up the pursuit and all the Pharaoh's horses, his horses that they trusted in and their chariots that they trusted in, and all his horsemen went in after them in the midst of the sea. God controls the universe, amen? God can, he, he created it so he can control it. He controls the elements. He controls the sea. There was three, the last of the three plagues, the 10 plagues of Egypt. I told you God... God was at war. God was at war against the false gods, against the demons. God was just obliterating them. He was just, just showing how they were nothing, how they were nothing to him. Well, the ultimate one was of the Egyptians, God of the Egypt Egyptians, was, was the sun god. It was the sun god, Ra. Ra the sun god, right? This great sun god. And supposedly he was the creator of other gods. He was the creator of worlds. He, he controlled all these things, right? Ra, the sun god. Well, we, in the last of the three plagues, really interesting, the last of the three plagues, check it out. It was the locusts. It was the locusts, right? And there was so many locusts that covered the land that the, you couldn't see the sun, and it was darkness all over the land. The next one was darkness for three days. Darkness for three days. So the so-called god who was the sun god who had control supposedly of the, of the sun, you know, and, and, and of the world and all these things, it was actually God who really has control. The, in the last plague, the death of the firstborn, it came at midnight, which is the darkest part of the night. So all these, all these are pictures of just God's battle with the demonic. God's battle just, it just went to town on them, right, to show the people that they're, they're gods are nothing. They're dead. They're dead gods, I'm the living God. I am the true God, and they're nothing to me. So the false sun God was nothing. When we think about today, the moon God, the false moon God, you know, the God of Islam, nothing to God. He's nothing to God. and God's going to make the same thing he did to the sun God. He'll do the same thing to the moon God and all other gods because there is no God like our God. Amen? Yahweh made war. On, the, on Israel's enemies. In Exodus, in the next chapter, we won't go there, but Exodus, the next chapter, in Exodus 15, 3, it says that the Lord is a warrior. Sometimes we think of God as this, like, you know, wimpy God or something. He's just God of love and mercy, and he absolutely is. He never stops being love. God is love. God is mercy, but he's also just, and those things are intertwined, and you can't separate those things. God is a warrior. This says, our God is a warrior, God. It says the Lord is a warrior. Even the sea is subject to him. He parts the sea. He moves the sea back on the wall, like they were walls on left and right. Who does that remind you of in our New Testament? In Luke eight twenty five, Jesus. We, we taught this. Jesus controlled the sea. Jesus moved the sea. He stilled the sea. Remember that. And the disciples said, "Wow! Even the wind and the sea are subject to him. Are subject to God. Are subject to Jesus." So the he the Egypt the the the, the the Israelites, the Hebrews, went through the sea. They went through by faith. Moses went first. It says here that the um, the cloud went behind the cloud because the cloud was in front of them at first. But then it says the cloud and the angel of the Lord Jesus moved to the back. Jesus leads the way, but He's also got our back. And Jesus went to the back. He's like, I'm not going to let anybody anything. Just go. I'm not. I haven't left. But I don't see you in front of me, Lord. Where are you? because I'm fighting from the rear. Nobody's going to come after you. Nobody's going to sneak up behind you, because I'm going to destroy them, and that's what God does. I sent Moses ahead and Aaron ahead. They're going to go. I made a perfect way. They can't go. They can't get it wrong. I made a narrow way through the water. They can't go left. There's a wall of water there. They can't go right. There's a water wall there. Go straight ahead. Just go. Go forward. That's what he tells them to do. So go. So the cloud didn't need to be there. The cloud was in the back. He's about to... Make mincemeat out of the enemies of Israel. So here we see um, the Egyptians following in them. So they went by faith. Hebrews 11, 23, 23, uh, t- Hebrews 29 says that they went to the sea by faith because they just said to go forward. As they went forward, it's like the water's there. Then the Lord starts spraying the water. Moses is the first one. I can only imagine Moses was like, okay, Lord, I'm going, he goes Water spread, and they went. They followed after him by faith, it says. and Just check it out on your own. He, he, Hebrews eleven twenty nine, 29, I believe. They went through by faith. It's always been by faith, by God's grace. We're saved by grace through what? Faith. It's always through faith. There's no other way. There's no other way to God but by faith in Jesus Christ. And the Egyptians went in. They went down the same narrow path that was there, but what were they trusting in? They were trusting in their horses. It says again here that they went in with their horses and their chariots and their horsemen. They were trusting in their might and their strength. They went in a different way. They went in the wrong way. There's only one way through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. So the Egyptians went through on dry land. Egyptians went in another way, I would say. Followed them right behind, same path, but not by faith. In their own strength, and we're going to see what happens to them. Well, it says here in verse 25 that, or in verse 24, that God caused confusion. Oh, no, I didn't go there yet. Verse 24, at morning watch, that's between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. at morning watch. That's awesome. Remember, I was talking about that God, Ra, you know, the sun God, you know, so. Psalms 121.4 says, He who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. Our God doesn't sleep. He is always working for us. He is always fighting for his people, for his children. And he doesn't sleep. This is at morning watch, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. Where's Ra? Where's their so-called sun God? Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe their God is asleep. Who knows? Where is he? Nowhere to be seen. It reminds me of when God fought against Baal when Elijah fought it, was, was going against the prophets of Baal, do you remember? And he says, where is your God? Is he using the restroom somewhere? Did he, take, did he step out for a minute? Is he sleeping? Where is your God? And, he was, and that's what it reminds me of. Where is, this, where is this so-called God that you worship? And the Egyptians knew it. They knew it. It says here, in verse, they, were, they were just confused. Where's our, they were probably thinking, where's Ra? You know, where's our God? Where's our sun God? What's going on here? They were in confusion, it says. Well, yeah, God caused them to be confused. He hardened their hearts, and that's what God does. When people don't want to love the truth, it says in 2 Thessalonians 2, God will send a strong delusion. In Daniels 12, 10, it talks about the wicked keeping, continuing to act wickedly, and none of them will understand what's going on. But those who have insight will understand. So when these things began to happen, it says here, they acknowledge the Lord. In verse 25, let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them. The Lord, the Lord God, Yahweh, is fighting for them against the Egyptians. They acknowledged him. A lot of people acknowledged the Lord, but they weren't trusting him. They weren't trusting him. They tried turning. And that's what's going to be. One day it'll be too late to repent for some. It'll just be too late. Like I said, every knee will bow. One day people oh, I bow, I bow my knee. And it just might be too late by then. And it was too late for them. It was too late for them to repent. Even though they turned, they repented, they turned around, but they they acknowledged the Lord, but they weren't trusting in him. And they would soon perish. But God wants none to perish, right? He wants all to come to repentance and faith in him. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters came back over the Egyptians and over the chariots and over their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it, into the Lord. At daybreak, it says, that's funny. You know, there comes they said that Ra would come up. You know, their sun God would come up. You know, oh, there he is. He's coming up. And then he'd go over the horizon. and then, Oh, now oh, he's gone again. I don't know where he's at. Maybe he went to bed. Maybe he went to the netherworld or something. I don't know. But it's like you showed up late for the fight, Ra. It's done, right? The Yahweh of armies, the Lord of hosts, destroyed Destroyed uh, his children's enemies. He showed up late to the gunfight. Not God. Not only did God make a way through the sea not even deliver His people, but He also destroyed the enemies. That's what He does. That's what He does for His children. That's what He'll continue to do for His children, and by extension, that's what He's done for us. He saved us from the dominion, from the slavery, the bondage of sin. Romans six fourteen says, "For sin, for sin, for sin shall not be." a master over you. No longer. It's been destroyed. He destroyed the power of it. He destroyed the power of sin. It will no longer be a master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace, all by God's grace. The devil has no power over us. He has no power over us. He doesn't. He doesn't have no power over the believer. But we know in First John 5, 18 and 19, it says, we know that no one who is born of God sins or continues in sin, or practices sin, or goes on sinning. But he who was born of God keeps him. God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. This world still lies in the power of the evil one, but it says before that, the evil one can't touch his people. Like I said, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's true deliverance. That's what the Lord did. He delivered us. From spiritual death, amen? It says here in verse 31, we're getting to the end here. Uh, let's see. Oh, verse 29, but the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Verse 30, thus their Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw Egyptians dead on the seashore. Remember I had said it before? I will destroy, and what was, it, what was it in that verse? I will destroy the Egyptians, and you will never see them again forever, forever. And that's what he did that day. He destroyed them forever. So it says in verse 30, One, when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Amen. The people believed, they feared the Lord and is that what happens, right? When we see God's great power, when we see the things he can do, the things he's done, we fear the Lord. Oh Lord, you're so awesome. You're so great. You're so mighty. Oh man, I believe. I trust in you and I trust in you. And then, The wilderness, and then the wilderness, and then the ocean, and then the the, the sea, and then these obstacles, and then these circumstances that we get into. Oh, Lord, no, no, why? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight through whatever it is, wherever it is, and whenever it is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If only we could believe like this. If only they would have continued to believe like this. But we'll learn in Exodus and in Numbers and some other places that it didn't go on like this. It didn't go on like this. If only that they would believe. If only we would continue, continue to believe like this. In the next chapter, it talks about Song of Moses, they sang praises, that's what we do, we say, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, he rescued me, and it's like, oh, next trial, it's like, oh, Lord, help me, help me, help me, it's like, don't be surprised when the fiery deal comes among you, we've talked about that, don't be surprised, be ready for it, know it's gonna come, know it's gonna happen, so we're prepared for it when it does, just sing praises to the Lord, this is the first recorded song in God's word, rightly so, because what God did for his people, God's still doing this for his people. He's doing this for, God's allowing things to happen right now. He's in control of all things. He's allowing everything that's going on right now. He, he's allowing it. He, he, he has a plan. We don't understand it always, right? His thoughts, we just, we can't even fathom at times, right? And we, we shouldn't pretend to understand everything God is doing. When we think we know everything, take heed lest we fall. When we think we, we think we got it and we think we know it all. But we could know it more though because he revealed it to it in his word. So let's continue in it. And let's not get haughty. God's going to deal with His people. He's dealing with this. Was the first deliverance for His people. This was the birth of a Jewish nation, basically. This was a birth of a. a, a this is a birth of Israel. I was going to talk a little bit about the birth of our church, Pentecost, and kind of some similarities there of what happened—the cloud, the fire over there, all these things that happened. I'm not going to go there because we don't have time, but. This was the birth of the Jewish nation. Or this was their first deliverance. But one day there's going to be an ultimate fulfillment of this. There's going to be, this was a true deliverance right here. But there's going to be a final deliverance for the children of God, for God's people, for the Jewish people, for Jerusalem. We're we'll going to turn to Luke 21, and I'm going to end there. Luke 21. Let's go to the New Testament. God tells us this is something that we could use. Preach this gospel right here. You guys, if you hear a lot from this pulpit up here, Pastor Marco, and talking about the uh, preach this gospel. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Russ talked about it on Sunday, Matthew 24, or 25, Luke 21, or Mark 13. This, this is the gospel that the Lord said to preach this gospel. Preach this gospel. Right now is a perfect time to preach this gospel right here of what Jesus is doing and what he will do. We need to memorize these things. Like I said, the holidays are upon us. Let's go out there and let's share. Let's share what God's doing, all the wonderful things He's done, and all the wonderful things He will do. In Luke twenty-one it says here in verse ten. Then he continued saying to them, "Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes, and in various places plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven." But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings, governors, for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for for your testimony. There's plenty of opportunities right now. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves. For I will give you utterance and wisdom, which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. Trust that. Trust the Lord in that. I'm going to continue, but you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Verse 20, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that our desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave. And those who are, under the country, who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are the days of vengeance, so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, a moon in the stars, and on the earth dismay among nations. Dismay right now in perplexity, perplexity at the roaring of the nations. What's going on? What's going on with these nations? Roaring of the seas and the waves. Men will be fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. The powers of the heavens will be shaken, but then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, strain up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Amen. Oh, brothers and sisters. I would say the people of Israel and all people everywhere look to Christ Jesus. There's no other way out. You can't trust in your chariots. You can't trust in your horses. You can't go left. You can't go right. You can't definitely not save yourself. The only way to look is up. Repent and trust in Jesus the Messiah before it's too late. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, our warrior, the precious Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. We thank you, God, for your mercy and for your grace, Lord. Thank you for passing over your people, Lord God. Thank you for passing over us, Lord God. Thank you for not holding our sins against us anymore, Lord God, by the blood of your Son, Jesus. We praise you, Lord God, for offering his perfect life for ours, Lord God. You are so good. You are so holy and you are so perfect. Lord, you are beautiful, Lord God. You are mighty. You are the one true God, the living God. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to trust you, Lord. Lord. Help us, Lord God. Help us to go out boldly, Lord God, and proclaim your name. Proclaim the testimony, Lord God. Help us to open our mouths, Lord God, and speak, Lord God. Help us to go forward. Help us not turn left and not turn right. Help us to follow you, Lord, always. Be with my brothers and sisters, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for the peace of Jerusalem, Lord God. Lord God, we pray for our enemies, Lord God. Lord God, we ask, Lord God, if you would continue to have mercy, Lord God, on who you're going to have mercy on, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord God, that you be glorified and honored by all the things we do in our words and our thoughts and our deeds, Lord God. Help us, Lord God. You are our helper, Lord. You are our protector. You are our deliverer. We love you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you and thank you. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus,